For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, good people? Welcome into the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast this Tuesday, May 30th. Cannot believe it is almost June already, and we are now on the road to money in the bank, believe it or not, at the O2 in London after a jam-packed weekend of professional wrestling that saw numerous title changes, including, let's call it what it is, a cosmic shift SP3 here in women's professional wrestling, the women's divisions of both AEW and WWE making significant changes over the weekend. Of course, Seth Rollins, the inaugural world heavyweight champion. He's going to be the headliner today, as is Roman Reigns and the rest of the bloodline, which is Sami Zayn predicted is crumbling, crumbling down. And we could be making our way towards Roman and Solo versus the Usos at Money in the Bank in London. Although there's reports that Roman's going to be defending his title in London, so that may not be the match. We may get that triple threat that I talked about, or at least the handicap match that I pitched out there oh so many weeks ago. We got a lot to dive into today, sir. How are you doing? I am doing fine. It's been a crazy weekend. Did a lot of different content. Uh, Today is a relatively light day when it comes to professional (laughs) wrestling, because this is my only wrestling thing that I'm going to be doing today, so... Always fine and dandy for that. Glad to be here. Welcome everyone to the show. Sound off in the live chat. All that good stuff for the next 44 minutes or so. <laughs> yes, I'm glad I can able to, to wet your whistle at least a bit, SP3. Because I know you go through withdrawals, right? If you're not talking about wrestling, at least a little bit. No, I'm perfectly fine, actually. I'm <laughs> perfectly fine with a day where I don't have to talk about professional wrestling. I am interested in talking about the bloodline, talking about all the changes from AEW, double or nothing, uh, Seth Rollins being the headliner. I don't know why, because absolutely nothing happened on Monday Night Raw. Stayed up until 11 p.m. for nothing to happen on the show. We don't even know what his program is going to be. Yeah, that 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 is a question that we're we're going to be uh, talking about here. What's up to Safet and Steven and Ace and Frantic and the other Ace, Ace Shock, uh, in the uh, in the chat. Appreciate you guys joining us as well. Uh, give this video a thumbs up. Really helps drive up our audience. If you're new to the show, you like what you hear, or even if you don't, just do us a favor and subscribe. Uh, we're trying to get that uh, count up to a uh, thousand subscribers by the end of the year, and we, we got to kick it in gear and. Get things going because, like I said, it's almost June already, believe it or not. A couple of uh quick notes before we dive into everything here. First off, yes, as a shock brought up, congratulations uh to Alexa Bliss and her husband, who uh unexpectedly, according to them, that was that was theirs unexpectedly. They said uh, greatest oops ever, uh, found out that they are uh having, <laughs> having their first child. So congratulations and best of luck to Alexa. Uh, another female star, uh, her and Carmella at the same time. So it's going to be quite some time before we see either of them, but uh, family comes first and it's awesome. So um, congratulations to the happy couple, the new parents. And yes, I've been there. I had, I had <laughs> the greatest, the greatest oops ever. And it came in, in double came in in double I had twins on the, oops. I, I will never forget the day that I came home from work, just a regular day, right? Normal day, whatever. And, um, my wife comes up to me and she's like, so you know how great Rebecca is? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking she's going to tell me something cute that she did today. Nah, she hands me a pregnancy test. And she's like, We're, she's getting somebody else. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, not expecting that to go that direction. But uh, And now I got a little two-year-old Tasmanian devil who tears up my house every day. But I freaking love him to death. It's, it is the absolute Terrible. 
Like, terrible twos, te- three nagers, best time in a parent's and, life. Yes. And, the, well, and, congr- and congratulations to Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara. Yes, that's who are right. Yes. Be new parents as well. Yes, absolutely. Everybody, everybody, everybody not using contraception is love it in professional wrestling. <laughs> I mean, right now, if you're a woman in professional wrestling, you're either getting hurt or you're having a baby. It's one of the two. It's just one of the two. Uh, you know, if those aren't your goals, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, start start wearing some good luck charms or, or something. Something else is going on out there right now. But uh, congrats to everybody. One other note real quick. Uh, if you're wondering where Braun Strowman has been, uh, he was drafted to Monday Night Raw alongside his tag team partner, Ricochet. They were a, a, a team in the draft. He competed on the first night of Monday Night Raw. We have not seen him since. PW Insider reporting he is going to be out for the foreseeable future uh, with an injury, may or may not need surgery. But WWE has been told, at least the creative team, not to concern him in any plans moving forward for quite some time. So. A little bit of bad luck for Braun Strowman there. He suffered a concussion, was able to come back a week later, and now he is on the shelf for God knows how long. Before we get into everything else, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. They continue to be your number one source for all of your basketball information, stats, news, scores, hockey as well. The finals are set. SP3 is a happy man because the Boston Celtics got their ass whooped in uh, game seven. It almost would have been better, SP3. It, for the fans of Boston, if they had just rolled over and died in game four, because they had to go out there and give them hope. They had to go out there and give them hope, win three in a row, get them all hyped up. They're going to make they're gonna make history. Boston's going to do it again. The Red Sox in 04, the Celtics almost 20 years later, they're going to do it again. And then they score under 90 points for the first time all season and just get wiped off their home court. <laughs> I don't Play know. Play off Jimmy. I don't know what's worse. SP3, the ass whooping the Celtics got last night, or what the Vegas Knights did to Dallas in game six, beat them like six nothing in hockey. That's an ass whooping. Um, so hopefully you bet on the overs of uh, win totals for both of those, the spread, right? Hopefully you did that and you made yourself some money. But if uh, you want to make some more money on the finals, bet online is the place to do it. You also find MLB, uh, UFC, boxing, WWE, AEW. It's all there. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to get all of your information, live betting options, favorite casino games, card games. And that's all right there at either your keyboard or your fingertips if you're using your mobile device. Go to the website today. Use your mobile phone. Sign up. Use our promo code BELIEVE. That is B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I said 50%. That is B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. And SP3, as I said, jam-packed. Absolutely jam-packed. Steven Chambers saying nuggets and six. SP3, you want to make a prediction on the finals? My heart says heat and seven. Because I believe in Jimmy Butler, I believe in the underdog, and that I have called them the greatest eight seed in NBA playoff history. It was 24 years ago. The New York Knicks in 1999 went to the NBA Finals, and now we got the Miami Heat as an eight seed. So I would love to see it, but realistically, I'll say Nuggets in five. Mm, damn, I I have no idea. I'm rooting for Denver because they've never won an NBA championship, right? It's or it's, it's at no. least it's been. It's been a, it would be a while, but yeah. Yeah, it would have been a long, long time. So uh, I'll, I'll go with the Nuggets just for the sake of, of something different. I always root for, for teams who have dry spells because as a Cincinnati sports fan, uh, I'm living in a three-decade-long dry spell uh, currently. Anyway, so top story uh, coming out of, we'll start with Night of Champions. We'll bounce around here between the, the two and three big shows that happened this weekend. We will start with Night of Champions. It opened up the show SP3 with Seth Rollins defeating AJ Styles to capture the World Heavyweight Championship, which overall I thought delivered as far as in-ring quality. But I will say this. I found it very difficult to get emotionally invested in that matchup because I was 95% sure that Seth was going to be winning. And I don't know. I just didn't buy into... AJ wanting to be there, at least like on screen, like they really sold it with Seth. They undersold it with, with AJ. I would have been way more uh, into it. Like I said, had edge been there still though, they want the, the right guy won. The match was good from an in-ring quality standpoint. And then we close out the show with just, once again, tremendous theater, everything involving Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in the bloodline. Sami Zayn getting another hero's welcome. Just like the, the run that this guy has been on since January is 
incredible. One of the like just life goal, career accomplishment after another that he has jam-packed in the last few months there. It's hard to stay that white hot that he is, but he comes out, he gets the hero's welcome. He he grabs the microphone from Mike Rome and does the the introductions for both himself and Kevin Owens in Arabic and just absolutely lit that place on fire. Great matchup. Looked like they were going to get screwed at the end. And then finally, SB3, Roman Reigns pushes Jimmy Uso too far. And then we get the double super kick heard around the world that finally allows Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to get one over on Roman. They retain the tag team titles. Right call, I think, is there as well. And now Roman and the bloodline, the story continues. But now it is a civil war that is on in Friday Night SmackDown. It's just great storytelling in general. It's, just, it's one of the, the best stories WWE has ever told. And like I said, it, it's been like an EKG since WrestleMania, where some weeks it's it's high, some weeks it's low. And coming off of the very low of, of it kind of being a buffer match at Backlash, it was right back to where it needed to be uh, with what they, what they did in the main event. As far as Seth Rollins winning the uh, World Heavyweight Champion, great match great opener uh, I, I you know the the in-ring work was top notch i agree with you i had no feeling at all that aj styles was gonna win and i thought like i said i thought it was a great match but it wasn't that great match that makes me completely forget the fact that seth rollins has been built up and aj styles has not and there was no chance in hell of aj winning Take in mind, I, I don't like comparing the two, but when we get to double or nothing, a matchup that I knew the result for completely enamored me into it to the point that I did not care who won because everybody came out of it better. This one, I didn't feel that same way, but I thought it was a great matchup indeed. As far as the bloodline crumbling, this is what it needed and everything makes sense. And it was, as they as the fans like to say, cinema. It was cinema at his best because you had Roman seeing the Usos deliver the double super kick to Solo. You had him getting in the face of uh, of Jay and Jimmy telling Jay they ain't no more day ones. We ain't day ones anymore and pushing them. And then Jimmy delivering the super kick and saying, I, I did what you should have done a long time ago long to go. Jay. And I, I got you and super kicking him. And it's such a full circle thing to with him saying, I'm your brother. He ain't your brother. I'm your day one. And then that's a callback to the Roy Rumble. Then you you have him delivering the super kick for, for Jay, just like Jay came back to the bloodline for Jimmy. That's their main character trait is their loyalty to one another. And then him just acting like they had just committed a crime. Yo, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And and Jay being this such a great character wrestler with the way he's able to uh, to put across his whole character and just being this abused family member. He's like an abused family member who wants to wants to help his abuser after his brother just super kicked him. He's like, Joe. Joe, as he's going up the ramp, like it was just so great. Jey Uso is tremendous at the ability to kind of convey so many different emotions with just facial expression, with his body language. Jimmy Uso, this elevates him with him being the one who took the shot on Roman, who committed the betrayal. And then for Sami Zayn, he got what he wanted. Sami Zayn's yeah. whole goal hasn't been about winning the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. It hasn't even been about winning the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. When he betrayed Roman Reigns at Royal Rumble, when the bloodline attacked him, he said on the first SmackDown afterwards, his first words was, his goal is to see the bloodline crumble, to yep. see the bloodline burn, and he finally got what he was looking for here. It wasn't even about the win against Solo and Roman. It was more C and the Uso stand up for themselves in Jimmy particularly and him being the one the same guy that pulled the trigger on super kicking Sammy is the guy who pulled the trigger on Roman Reigns it's great it's great theater it's great dramatics it's perfect storytelling
Yeah, and the, the thing that I love so much was the nuance of, of of Jay's character work in that moment because not only was he conflicted, you know, with everything that was going on, that family was, you know, fighting and he's seeing Roman go down, but Jay goes, looks at him, he's like, it's me and you now. We're on our own. We don't need anybody else. And you could see in Jay's eyes, he's like, I don't know if I believe that anymore. Like, you just shot our meal ticket down to the floor. Our career has never been better since we aligned ourselves with the tribal chief and went under his leadership. And now you want us to go back out to being on our own. We're going to be fighting the new day six months out of the year in three months. Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't buy this for a second. And if it wasn't for that, yeah, Jay Uso would have kicked Roman's head off of his shoulders a long ass time ago. It's always been about that. It's always been about self self-preservation for Jay Uso as well with his brother. So now he's going to be fully conflicted once again. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the only thing is like, they already did the Jay Uso's conflicted. So he's going to be off TV for several weeks storyline when Sammy did this. So it's not like they can run that back with, with Jimmy. He almost by default has to align himself with Jimmy because that is his brother. But at the same time, Solo, his other brother, is on the other side, still standing next to Roman Reigns. So, I mean, it's it's all over the place. It's great theater. Family sells tickets, as our good buddy Dutch Mantel would say. Uh, it's going to get people emotionally invested, and I'm I'm all for this moving forward. Roman Reigns is going to be on television, it looks like, uh, full-time for the summer. They just released uh, his schedule out on WWE.com today and out on Twitter. He's even going to be on house shows, uh, including uh, Cincinnati on June 17th. So if he's showing up on house shows, he's fully invested through SummerSlam. So that's that's good. I have no idea who his next challenger is going to be. Whether it is Jimmy Uso, maybe they set up one-on-one -on -one him and Jimmy Uso at Money in the Bank, and then maybe we get back around to Cody. Who knows? As far as Seth Rollins is concerned, it would have been nice coming out of Monday Night Raw having some inkling of a direction of where Seth is going to go because... I was all for it being literally any member of the bloodline. You could have him face any member, or not the bloodline, excuse me, of Judgment Day. Literally any member. And I would have been down with it. I would have been fine with it. You're going to talk me into his next three months being entrenched with working with all of the, the, of the judgment day, but he and AJ Styles get over last night in the end. I did love Seth Rollins saying night, night bitch, as he delivered another, um, stomp to, to Damian priest to take him out, but a great opening night for Seth. It'd be nice to see some direction. I don't know who his first challenger is, and I don't know if WWE knows either. I don't think they know at all. And boy, do those, uh, yeah, WWE is really high on Damian Priest's uh, reports. Don't uh, have an age pretty well, even after a week. And uh, don't get me started on the amount of SmackDown people who were on last night's show. Oh my God, this the record time this draft has been destroyed. Now, apparently. Uh, AJ Styles, I believe this was PW Insider who reported this. AJ Styles was a very late minute addition uh, to Monday Night Raw. He was uh, he actually got home and then had to fly uh, to what it was a New Albany. Is that where it was last night? So he had to fly there for the show. So if it was a last minute change, that screams to me. Hey, Vince wants him on the show. Draft be damned. Those kind of a things. He, Fightful.com reported that Vince has been making some somewhat regular changes off remotely as to not cause you know, the big stir backstage, which most of the talent, again, according to Fightful, is, is on board with. So um, might be Vince's call. But yeah, look, you can sit there and explain that there was a good reason why there were so many SmackDown stars on the show last night. And at least to WWE's credit, they just... At least they had Adam Pierce say, I, I don't, he's here. He's a SmackDown superstar. We're trying to keep this brand split thing. What do you think about this boss? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. At least they acknowledged it. That went a little ways for me that at least they acknowledged it and tried to explain it. And, but it, again, yes, don't make it, it they up just for me. continue to open themselves to criticism. Yes. That's, that's like an employee shitting on the floor and then telling his boss, I shit it on the floor. I'm acknowledging I messed, I messed up. I messed up. I shit it on the floor. Like, I'm not going to give you credit for, for acknowledging mm. the fact you just shit on the floor. <laughs> what, what type of, what? Why are we giving, I saw I saw mm. that argument on social media. I was like, what are we giving them credit for? 
Yes, they're acknowledging they did they did something stupid. Congratulations, dumbasses. <laughs> the biggest thing that they did was put SmackDown superstars in a tournament for a Raw exclusive title. Like that was the biggest and, thing from the get go. And, and then the women's championship, you had three. You had three different women for the SmackDown roster in one match. Yep. Yep. You're gonna have that though with the with the tag team titles being uh, able to to float between brands. You're gonna have that, unfortunately. No, you would have that when it's the, when the SmackDown women win the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. You shouldn't have it when the titles are vacated and you're doing a multi. You don't you don't couldn't come up with another team outside of Damage Control. You couldn't give Raquel another tag team partner. Seriously. There are a lot of women on the roster, and we will get there. Uh, asking about Seth Rollins' potential uh, future opponent, uh, we do know, uh, according to Wrestling Observer, that Brock Lesnar is not in his uh, immediate or long-term future as an opponent. Uh, Brock Lesnar cannot challenge Roman Reigns. He is done with Roman Reigns. Could go after the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, nothing stopping him from doing that, but that doesn't appear to be the plan, mostly because it appears that Cody and Brock are going to be continuing after night of champions this one was uh look i thought this was a fun match i don't know that cody needed the the adversity angle but him being able to use the the cast and the the rod iron and all this stuff this was a good match this was exactly the kind of finish that we talked about that they needed if cody was going to lose you myself and baby huey on our uh, prediction show last week saying look he's gonna lock him in the kimura he cannot tap he has to pass out um I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I think that that is a, a loss that doesn't hurt Cody too much, obviously with the arm angle. But even if they didn't have the arm angle, it doesn't hurt to lose to Brock Lesnar. To me, it says more that they gave Cody the out against Brock Lesnar than anything. But Cody comes out last night on Raw and issues an open challenge, which I don't think is that that's the right verbiage to use. But he gives an open challenge to Brock Lesnar, basically saying, anytime you want it, come get it. Which to me means Cody's going to wind up in that Money in the Bank ladder match. Brock Lesnar is going to interfere in that ladder match. He is going to eliminate Cody Rhodes from said match. And then the third one will happen at SummerSlam. That's what I think is going to happen. I could see that happening. I would have liked for for Cody to acknowledge the Money in the Bank and say in that, you know, after he's done with, with the Brock, he's going to turn his attention to that. Something or another. But, um... Hey, I like the matchup at uh, Night of Champions. I thought it was better than their Backlash matchup, but the finish doesn't make any sense. He, yes, he he had a broken arm. Yes, he was in the Kimura for three minutes, minutes. out of a 10-minute matchup, but him passing out the way he did didn't make any sense because he hadn't been beaten up enough as far as like anywhere else. Like Brock hit a couple of suplexes, an F5, and just had him in the Kimura for three minutes. You don't pass out from the pain like that. Austin passed out from the pain of the sharpshooter because he was losing so much blood. blood yeah. It wasn't It wasn't because, oh, I'm in pain. I mean, pass out, go to sleep. No, it doesn't work like that. And the Kimura is not a, not a choke or anything. So, Correct, yeah. Yeah, they needed I, – I, I said it on our review on Trio He. I'll say it here. You should have had Brock like, hit two more F5s, then put him in the Kimura then it makes sense for for Cody to pass out from there. Yeah, subtle, subtle little changes here or there. Um, yeah, it, you're 100% uh, spot on on that one. Uh, let is uh, What's next? Cody versus Brock inside Hell in a Cell. I see it. I think they're going to do that in Detroit. Yeah, that seems to make Brock always delivers in Hell in a Cell, and Cody's best match in WWE was inside Hell in a Cell. Yeah, 100%. I can totally see that happening. So we shall see. Uh, right now, though, I think it's it's pretty darn clear that Cody is, if he's going to be the one to face Roman Reigns, it's not happening until next year's WrestleMania. Like, that's just... Yeah. That's, that's where it's at. So I don't know who Roman fights at SummerSlam. He's got an entire roster on SmackDown you can pick from. Maybe they, they build up AJ Styles that way. I don't know. But right I now, think you do Jimmy at Money in the Bank or the tag team matchup, and then you do the three way with Jimmy and Jay at SummerSlam. At SummerSlam, tell the right story, and then Roman just does whatever the heck Roman wants to do until WrestleMania season rolls around next year, is pretty much how that's going to go. Uh, from two world title pictures in one company to one world title picture in the other company. Um, 
MJF made a lot of headlines Sunday night, SP3. Not only did he win the Four Pillars match for the AEW World Championship, which we all knew was going to happen, but like you alluded to earlier in the show, this was absolutely spectacular from start to finish. The storytelling that was involved in this, I thought uh, MJF's performance in this match in particular was brilliant. Uh, his character work in the ring, like, you know, the, uh, there were a bunch of video clips out today of like all the different times he was screaming stuff in the ring. I laughed my ass off when Darby grabbed him from behind and gave him the flip over stunner. And he's like, what the fuck? As he, <laughs> as he's getting stunned. Um, he, he made this match an absolute blast. You, you had the ending there where jungle boy, you had the entire crowd who wanted jungle boy to just cross the line, do whatever he needed to do to win the championship. And he still stayed true to himself. That was the moment where we could have gotten that, that change in him that we had talked about with doc on our AEW uh, double or nothing prediction show. And he decided not to do it. He slams the title down, um, opens the door for MJF to get the belt, lay it on top of jungle boy. As Darby comes in with the coffin drop, knocks himself unconscious because he hits the back of the head on the title. And then MJF with the chef's kiss at the end, one more headlock takeover to complete the story with Darby Allen. He pins him one, two, three. MJF retains. And then he goes absolutely off in the post uh, media scrum. Not, not so much CM Punk style, but very MJF style. He is crapping all over New Japan Pro Wrestling, saying they're basically an indie fed uh, to him and that he better not be wrestling at Forbidden Door, which pretty much signifies that he's going to be wrestling at Forbidden Door. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he talks about retiring because he's bored because there's nobody in competition for him left in AEW. He's talking about taking his ball and going home. He's talking about potentially going to WWE. All of this while Tony Khan is literally two feet from him, looking like he's about to have a stroke with every damn answer that MJF gives during this press conference. And I'm sitting here going, if, if Tony Khan, if these aren't genuine reaction, this man has been working on his acting. He has been taking classes because he looked absolutely dumbfounded like a deer in the headlights. I don't, do I cut off his mic or don't I? That's the vibe I got from Tony Khan throughout the entirety of it. The last time I saw those kind of looks in his face was when CM Punk was going off on his EVPs. So again, MJF 100% throws himself out there as one of the best performers in professional wrestling and honestly, one of the best storytellers in professional wrestling. And like you said earlier, we knew MJF was going to win, just like we knew Seth Rollins was going to win. AEW found a way to get me emotionally invested in this matchup, and I was with it from start to finish. The reason why is because everyone was elevated in here and it wasn't, you, you know, the, the build to the matchup was so up and down. And I, I compared it on a review on True Hill Heat to uh, Charlotte and Rhea at WrestleMania, where I couldn't give that match a perfect five stars because they decided to not tell a story at all. AEW told a story. I just uh, thought they could have done it in a better way. But then in the matchup, they completed all of the story beats in here. You had Jungle Boy where, where MJF says you're not willing to get dirty enough. And he tells MJF, I want to look at myself in the mirror. And he has that moment with the title where he decides to stay true to himself and drop the title down. You had Darby Allen who kept talking about the headlock takeover and wanting to beat MJF with it. Multiple times in the matchup, he tried to beat MJF with it and then he lost to it. And Sammy Guevara, the whole uh, Force, what felt like a forced babyface turn they completed it here with having the entrance where he announces he's gonna be a father which yeah. got the crowd to pop and then in the matchup he went all out that might have been sammy guevara's best performance in aew and mjf regardless of what you think about him you think his shit gets old you think he's not a draw you're trying to blame the ratings on him this man it's two for two in my opinion on five-star AEW world title defense. He had the greatest Iron Man match in wrestling history at Revolution, and this might quite possibly be the greatest four-way in, in wrestling history because it was so innovative. It wasn't the two-in, two-out. It wasn't the three-in, one-out. It was 
four-way sequences, so intricate, so innovative, so inventive yeah. in every single way. The the callbacks and taking a page out of their mentors' books with Cody with, with the crossroads um, and the Scorpion Deathlock and the and the Scorpion Death Drop. And he did the Scorpion Deathlock by Darby. And you get the kill switch and the code breaker, and you get the walls of Jericho from Sammy. And then you had the, the destroyer sequence where everybody's hitting destroyers in multiple different ways. You had everybody going after MJF and then fighting within each other and just every single way they could have made this a perfect four-way match. They did that. And this is one of the greatest four ways in wrestling history. It's one of the AEW matches of the year. And despite what I felt was one of AEW's weakest shows, it closed out with back-to-back -back match of the year candidates. Yes, 100%. Now we got a lot of people throwing and out. As far as the disrespecting New Japan in the presser, I think this is a foregone conclusion. My prediction now is that you have to bring in the guy who represents New Japan the most to verse MJF at Forbidden Door, and I think that is Hiroshi Tadahashi. I think that is the reason why he went so over the top with disrespecting New Japan because you got to bring in the guy who represents New Japan the most. And I would either be Tadahashi or Okada. Okada is playing a different character right now. So despite what people might want, and I think it would be a great match between MJF and Okada. Okada is really a heel now. He is a heel grumpy old man at 36, 35 years old. He's the former fraternity president who now lives next door to the fraternity and telling all the kids to get off his lawn. That is his character right now and it plays in more that he would verse someone like John Moxley who he has a built-in story now with because he's been feuding with John Moxley's young boy Shoto Aminu in New Japan and that would segue nicely they're going to have a huge uh, never open weight six man tag team title match on June 4th this Sunday at Dominion with Okada teaming with Tadahashi and Ishii to verse uh, Shooter Moxley and Claudio Castanoli making his New Japan debut, and that would parlay nicely into doing the Moxley versus Okada match at Forbidden Door. So Okada's busy. You got Osprey busy with Omega. Tadahashi is the best kind of in between. Maybe Naito. You can bring in Naito, but Naito's never been that representative of New Japan like Tadahashi. So that's why Tadahashi kind of fits the bill the most. Glad you answered my question before I even I even asked it because we were getting a, a number of uh, recommendations in the chat and I believe you you pretty much brought up uh, all of them. Uh, a shock. Where does each pillar go from here? It's a good question, honestly. Um, I'm sure Darby Allen will will start to focus really with with Sting on the the back end of his career and uh, his retirement coming soon, and you can work him into whatever storyline Sting's going to be having here soon, uh, heading into Wembley Stadium. I think that'd be a great place for his retirement match to take place, maybe a tag match with Darby Allen. Um, Sammy Guevara, uh, as as a shock brings up, I think if Sammy Guevara is a babyface now, working him against Chris Jericho does make some sense. Uh, that might be the direction you go there. As far as Jungle Boy is concerned, this is why I was kind of rooting for a heel turn at a Jungle Boy, something different to take him in a different direction. Because right now I I don't know where he's at, other than he's still on his road hunting for that singles championship that he has he's been looking for. Uh, but now he just lost his first opportunity. So now it's like he's got to turn around and, and find a way back uh, to getting another opportunity. I think Juggle Boy eventually does have to turn heel because that's what the fans want, obviously, from what we saw at Double or Nothing. And the perfect people for him to turn heel on would either be Darby Allen, so you can kind of parlay this four pillars thing into a feud between those two. Or he goes in a different direction and tries to get his singles gold by beating Orange Cassidy for the international championship and turn heel in that fashion. Wouldn't be mad either way. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, a significant shift this weekend um, in, in women's professional wrestling, both in WWE and in AEW. And I'll go back to the report uh, that Sean Rossaff from FIFA.com had last Wednesday. He said the women's division speaking just about AEW was going to look drastically different about five days from now. And honestly, mix WWE in with that. We'll start with the two absolutely significant championship victories uh, over the weekend. Asuka shockingly defeats Bianca Belair 
at Night of Champions to end her Raw Women's Championship reign at 416, 417 days, somewhere right in there. Uh, so Asuka wins the Raw Women's Championship. And then after Jade Cargill defeats Taya Valkyrie for the second time to get to 60-0 and 0 in AEW, Smart Mark Sterling gets on the microphone and he starts talking about anyone, anytime, anywhere. And we all knew at that moment, at least we all hoped we knew at that moment what it would lead to. Chris Statlander comes down, big ass pop in Vegas. The mat, like I'm expecting like a stare down or something, a setup. And then all of a sudden, oh no, this bitch is going down right now. And then that bitch went down in less than a minute. Chris Statlander beats Jade Cargill. She's 60 and one walks away with the TBS championship. So damn happy for her. When you think about all the injuries and everything that she's had to go through just to get that moment. And I, we kept talking about this SP three and I kept joking. I'm like, is Tony Khan waiting for Chris Statlander to come back to do something with Jade Cargill and finally end this reign? Yeah, actually, that's exactly what Tony Khan did. He waited until Chris Statlander was healthy, and the second she was healthy, she whooped Jade's ass. And I, I actually saw people complaining about this booking. I loved this booking because if you're going to beat Jade and protect her in a, a, an interesting way, cockiness cockiness and arrogance it's the downfall of everybody she thinks she's that bitch and she says i can take out anybody anytime anywhere i don't care that i just went to war with ty valkyrie guess what you just screwed yourself i loved that booking it gives chris statlander her big moment it 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 protects jade cargill in a way that's other than cheating her out of something because she did this to her damn self her and smart mark sterling and now she is now free to do something different. They can, she wants to take a little bit of time off. Cool. Great. She can come back refreshed, re-energized and with a new direction. Um, as far as Oscar winning, honestly, man, I was shocked, but I wasn't mad at it. I think, I think Bianca was out of challengers. Oscar desperately needed a big win. Probably should have done it at WrestleMania, but regardless it's done, it's over. And now I'm interested to see where Asuka goes and where Bianca goes after there's a rematch because you know there's going to be a rematch. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've start seen reports that Bianca might be getting like a character change later on, uh, maybe in like the, the summer. I could see that now. And now that she's lost the championship, I was very much surprised by this, but I was also just perfectly fine with it. It was it was fine. Asuka, you needed the change. You saw that it was getting stale at Backlash with the way the Puerto Rican fans wanted Sky to win there. So that made whole bunch of sense as far as Chris, Chris Statlander I loved it I loved it that was the first moment of the show that really felt special and felt like yeah. it was pay-per-view worthy so this show desperately needed it Jay desperately needed it Chris Statlander comes back in a huge way um as far as like who's next for her I would love to see her kind of get integrated into the whole outcast angle now that you know Jamie Hayter is not involved you can have Ruby Soho or Soraya go after the TBS championship and say the outcasts want to take all the titles and then that naturally brings Chris Statlander into the fold with Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida's side and she can fill in that that spot for Jamie Hayter in the program with the Outcasts. I would love to see them go in that direction. And as far as Jay Cargill, Jay Cargill is an absolute star and Double or Nothing proved that in every way possible. That entrance, I commented on her post talking about how, you know, representing her sorority, aka the longest uh, national uh, Greek uh, African-American woman sorority in the world. My sister is an aka of over 35 years and it's very rare I get to talk about anything wrestling wise with her, but I was so happy and so excited to send her a picture of Jay Cargo because when I saw her with the pink and green, I didn't even need commentary to tell me she was an AKA. I was like, oh, she's an AKA because she's she doing the stuff my sister used to do all the time. My sister still do, does that stuff. So when I showed her that picture, she was so happy and she was like, oh, I'm going to Google it. I'm going to Google her. I want to learn about her. And she's like, she loved. And then I showed her the, the video of the entrance 
matches and she loved it so much. And then in the match with Taya, it was so much better than their first matchup. The kick out on the road to Valhalla was oh, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. Down the river. So many people look at the referee for like to watch their arm. She was out. Eyes closed, just feeling the moment, waiting for the three count. And then at the last second, just like her Pop. soul returned to her body. Oh, no. Nah, uh-uh. Sold me down a river. I thought it was done there. Great stuff. And then with with her matches with Taya, the first one, she pulls out a, a Canadian destroyer. In this one, she's doing a springboard. So you're we're seeing we're seeing Jade show us a little bit more in the ring. She sold more in this match than any other other matches. Jade Cargill is an absolute star. She needs to become the AEW women's world champion next. And I'm just excited for what's next for her after she takes time off and she becomes refreshed. I think whatever the personality shift. Maybe her turning babyface and being the babyface star that this division needs. Yeah. I would love to see either or, but Jay Cargill's an absolute star and double or nothing was just proof of that. And this felt like the right ending for the, the big time undefeated streak that she had been on that after a while was kind of handicapping her. And I think moving forward, yeah. this will be a benefit to her. One quick note on Bianca Belair. I keep hearing these reports about a heel turn for her and the street profits. I seriously have my doubts that happens for, for two reasons. One, she is now in the John Cena role for the company as far as being an ambassador. She is at every community event, Boys and Girls Club, whatever it is, Special Olympics. She is there. She is the face of, of WWE as an ambassador and is just working round the clock. At the fullest definition of champion, that's what Bianca Belair is. So I don't know if they will do that with a top heel character because if Bianca flips, she's going to become a top heel character. Like, I didn't see Becky Lynch at a whole lot of those things that she used to be at while she was big-time Bex. So I don't know if they take Bianca out of that role. And two, if she turns heel, who the hell is turning babyface? Take her place because you got to do another swap. Uh, we talked about the TABS championship. How about that AEW Women's Championship? Thanks to a huge assist from the outcast, Tony Storm, now the two-time AEW Women's World Champion. We had a feeling this was coming, SP3. We talked about this uh, with Doc on Friday because of Jamie Hayter's injury. Now we know it wasn't the shoulder. She has been having back problems. I give her all the props in the world for, you know, getting to a point where she could do something at, at double or nothing. They were able to tell a story, complete that moment, get the belt on Tony storm without having to do some kind of tournament or anything like that, or a, a sub opponent. It wasn't the match that we all wanted, but Tony storm wins it. They continue the story. And now Jamie Hader can go get healthy. Yeah, I think Jamie Hayter needs to get healthy before we go into All In. She needs to be at that event. If there's anybody on the AEW roster that needs to be on All In, it is Jamie Hayter. I would love to see her get healthy, come back, and win the championship at Wembley Stadium. As far as Tony Storm, she deserves this opportunity. She had her interim run with the with the Women's World Championship, and I think that she's in a right place right now to be the first ever two-time AEW Women's World Champion, and it gives the outcast some, you know, bragging rights now. Yeah. They have something to, to talk about and brag about. They they came together. They won the top prize in the company. They did the beatdown angle. Yes, I would have loved for Jamie Hayter and Tony Storm to have an actual match, but this is the next best thing, and like I joked about on Double or Nothing, I wouldn't I wasn't really joking, because I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the next season of AEW All access is Britt Baker telling Jamie Hayter, yeah, don't be like Thunder Rosa. You go out there. You, you fight, fight through the thing. You fight through the Especially way. Especially with a back injury. With a back injury. You do it the right way. You do it the right way. The same body part that Thunder Rosa screwed up. You're like, no, you cannot sit out with a back injury. You know those yeah. conversations 100% were happening. I agree with you, by the way. This is the kind of win that damage control needs. If damage yeah. control had gotten a big win like this somewhere along their, their ascension, they would be looked at much differently than they are right now um, as they continue to push the divide now between EO and Bailey with uh, Dakota being unfortunately out of action. No surprise, SP3. More new women's champions were crowned last night. This was a fun 
four-way tag match. Say what you want about Shotzi being thrown in when they're in there with Raquel. Say what you want about Damage Control and SmackDown Superstars being in this match. It was fun. Ronda and Shayna, we all knew they were going to win anyway, but my goodness, SP3, were people on social media and in the crowd pissed off that they were. And I don't understand why. I am I'm not the biggest. Seriously, I think Ronda Rousey gets more hate than she deserves. I really, really do. When when she is motivated, all right, and motivation does play a factor. When she's motivated, she's one of the, she can and she's a heel. She can be one of the best performers in the company. She really, honestly, can. I think with Shayna, this is something she wants to do. This is something she's motivated to do. She's got the heat, and they have enough tag teams now. Although. You, you wouldn't know that if you just paid attention to Ronda Rousey's interview with the New York Post, which uh, her math was not adding up on that, but we don't have a whole lot of time to get into that. But I think this was the right move. We saw how healthy the women's tag team division is now compared to where it was just a few weeks ago. And we really haven't seen any of the new additions in Caden and Katana, who I think should be their first challengers, and uh, Isla and Alba over on SmackDown as well. Yeah, I mean, I I think this was a no-brainer that he put the titles on Ronda and Shayna. I think that these are going to be probably the best position for the Women's Tag Team Championships in WWE since Sasha Banks and Naomi won the championships back at WrestleMania 38. Ronda Rousey, regardless of what you feel about her, the company is always going to treat her at a certain level. Despite a lot of her aura and star appeal kind of uh, dissipating in the past year, she is still at a certain level in WWE's eyes where they're going to position her highly. And I think that long-term, this was going to finally lead to the Ronda versus Shayna battle that I've been looking for them to do for years. And I think this makes a whole world of sense. And I agree, Katana and Kaden needs to be a challenger. I think uh, they should stick with maybe uh, Raquel Rodriguez and somebody else, even though I think Raquel needs to be a next challenger for Rhea Ripley as well so this frees her up to be able to get into that mix and uh wwe i tagged triple h on social media after oscar won the championship and i'm gonna say it here fix this damn wrong brand woman's title issue because y'all keep acting like it's is nothing's going on nothing to see here we're not even gonna acknowledge the fact that Rhea's the smackdown women's champion on raw and and oscar's the raw women's champion on smackdown we're just gonna keep going about our business no, it is one of the glaring issues of this whole entire draft, and it will continue to be until y'all fix it. Triple H needs to figure out how to solve a Vince McMahon problem because that's been his biggest overcoming thing that he still hasn't overcome is fixing Vince McMahon problems that were created for him. Yeah, look, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I know you got to go, so we'll wrap up here. Um, no time for the five count this week, but we, we touched on so much. There's just so much to cram into the yeah. show today, uh, and there's a lot more that I want to talk about, including things that I love, like Zoe Stark being paired up uh, with Trish Stratus. I think that's going to mean great things for her, and you know, maybe next week or the weeks ahead, we'll find out if Becky Lynch is going to take somebody under her wing uh, to progress that storyline and maybe elevate somebody like a Tegan Knox that you're not doing anything with. Uh, that might be a great way to go. Go. But as far as the women's title thing is is concerned, the big hurdle's gone. The big hurdle's gone. You, it, it, the my biggest issue with doing a title swap, as much as I hate them, was ending Bianca Belair's reign with a title swap. Oscar Beater, it's done. It's over. You could have shot something backstage where Oscar just walked up to Rhea Ripley, put the Raw Women's Championship on her shoulder, took the SmackDown Women's Title, and walked away. That's it. That's all you had to do. Done. No explanation. No what? We get it. Don't need to cut it. Make it a big deal. Done. Over. Things are great. I'm hoping since they're not addressing it, they're having new championships commissioned so we don't run into this thing and they are going to rebrand them. But who the hell knows, man? It. But the, it's, your biggest hurdle is gone. So there's no reason to keep just, just dragging this shit out. There's no reason to do it. SP3, what you got going on? True Heel Heat this week. 
Uh, check out the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. We did reviews for pretty much all the major shows from this past week. WWE Night of Champions roundtable review was on Sunday. You could check that out on demand. We did an AEW Double or Nothing roundtable review that I'm very proud of. I thought it was one of our better reviews of the year with myself, uh, True Draw Josh, Ness, Romeo, and special guest Tempest of Wrestle Talk. We talked all about the show, broke down all the matches, gave you our star ratings give you what we think about AEW running in Las Vegas because that was one of the worst AEW pay-per-view mm. crowds that I think I've ever heard. So we talked about different options for them to take double or nothing in the future, who we thought MJF would face at, at uh, Forbidden Door, plus much, much more. So check it out. It's right now on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. And coming up later this week, we got Best of Super Junior 30 final review and we also got an exclusive interview, True Heels BTR with former Odd NXT tag team champion, former ROH tag team champion, former AEW star Bobby Fish. It was a great talk, great interview that I did. So check that out. That's going to be dropping later this week. Very cool. Uh, Stephen Chambers saying sky's the limit for Zoe. I agree. Putting her with Trish Stratus was really, really smart. Noob saying Piper Niven uh, pairing up with Becky Lynch. I think that would be uh, interesting. And I'm a big Piper fan. I wish they would do something with her again when somebody's off of television for a long time i i my first inclination is not to complain about it because you never know what's going on behind the scenes that might be keeping somebody from tv a la carmella a la braun Strowman with his injury you just never know so i i tend not i tend to give wwe the benefit of the doubt because hell we we just don't know what's really going on behind the scenes and why somebody's going to be missing television uh follow him on uh, the twitter machine at true heel sp3 you can follow me at rick uccino for those listening on the podcast channel spelled r-i-c-k-u-c-c-h-i-n-o did get a chance to talk to sean michaels briefly last week uh about uh Dijak, who had a jesus just a barn burner with Ilya dragunov at uh, battleground sunday night if you missed it go out of your way to check it out it was spectacular but i wanted to ask sean about the the philosophy of rebranding a superstar after they come back to NXT for let's just call it what it is an absolutely failed main roster run, especially when it was not their fault. Uh, I wrote all about that uh, for cage side seats. You can find the link up on my Twitter page right now, or you can watch Sean's answer right here on the believe in progress podcast, YouTube channel, a YouTube exclusive. Thank you guys so much for contributing to the chat. Sorry. We were rushed today. I'm going to try to get out of work earlier so we can start at two o'clock next Tuesday when we're back. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy professional wrestling. Thank you for watching the Believe in Progress podcast brought to you by Bet Online. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.